and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who missed the Imagine Dragons pre-game extravaganza. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. And I'm still kind of emotionally recovering from it. I, I, I hope I'll be able to get there by the end of the show. Oh, it set the tempo for this game. <laughs> it didn't really. The fans barely noticed. In that, like, the guitarist fell asleep mid-performance. <laughs> and they used their hands. There we go. <laughs> so, it, all it is it is our Champions League final review. It finished, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. Liverpool 2, Spurs 0. A very early goal and a very late goal. Yeah. yeah? I didn't about think about right? it like that. You are correct, uh-huh. sir. Yes. A lot of people are also saying maybe not the greatest game they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I think we have the reason why. Yeah. We'll reveal it later on. Because normally, normally we do tactics mm-hmm. first. But in this game... There was no time for tactics because there was a goal inside the first minute. Exactly. So I felt like we should follow what the game did sure. and talk about that early goal. It was a penalty kick mm-hmm. uh, given away by Sissoko, Hamball, Salah took the penalty. But mm-hmm. there's a lot more in there the build-up, right? Because it is still sort of, we're, don't worry, we're not going to do like an extended analogy for how this is representative of the whole game, but it is representative of the game a little bit. Okay. Because uh, it starts off, it's like a little bit of a scrum back and forth in the lead up to this penalty. Yeah. And basically what really is the kind of inciting moment is Virgil van Dijk stepping through and kind of bodying Harry Kane off the ball to win a header. Yep. And from there, it's quick passing by Liverpool. It's very good awareness from Jordan Henderson to spot that Sadio Mane is in an advantageous position, and then the handball comes. But it's that winner from Virgil van Dijk, I it think, really that sets is. the tone right there. It sets the tone, and it leads to the penalty yeah. kick, right? And yeah, it's really important, especially because this is what Harry Kane was... He looked fit, right? He looked reasonably fit. Mm-hmm. But it's still something of a gamble after that long ankle injury layoff to start Harry Kane. And in hindsight... It feels really harsh to have the injury layoff and then send him up against Virgil van Dijk and yep. Joel Matip. Right? Yeah. And then there's always a chance that, because Kane's really good at sort of winning headers even when he's not the, the, big, the bigger guy or like doing something with his body to hold mm-hmm. someone off. But this specific header, if you go back and rewatch it, it's inside the first 20, 30 seconds, right? Um, van Dijk essentially just knocks Kane out of the yep. way, but legally. Yes. Like spins him a little bit, yeah. wins the it's ball with right his right on head. the line, I would say. I, yeah. think, I think the official... Um, as far as I remember, I think I agreed with pretty much every call he made. And mm-hmm. some of the like uh, play-ons, I think, that he allowed to happen, yeah. it encourages a little bit of physical play. And I think once he established that, then he let stuff go. And I think this is one of the things that, like, maybe it was right on that line. But I yep. mean, Virgil van Dyke uh, did just enough, I think I'm using that correctly uh-huh. in your people's language, uh, to not get the call. <laughs> so the, the other big thing about this is Kieran Trippier, mm-hmm. I think, is preparing for Harry Kane to bring this ball down and maybe like you know lay it off and start some sort of counterattack. Mm-hmm. So Kieran Trippier, the right back, starts sneaking up away from his back four, ready for the attack. Sadio Mane, very cleverly then, sneaks in behind yeah. Trippier, right? And that's why when this ball gets to Jordan Henderson, he's able to play that very clever like clip ball over the top. Yep. And Sadio Mane is not in on goal, but he's sort of half in behind the Spurs defence to the point where Trippier and Sissoko have to kind of scramble back to try and close him down, right? Exactly. That moment, I know it sounds like I'm being nerdy and detailed. I think that's really important. Well, if, if you think that was nerdy and detailed, then buckle up. Because <laughs> I would also point out um, that like, for the rest of the first half, really, one thing that you and I noticed is that Tottenham seemed pretty reticent to play the ball wide to those fullbacks. Yeah, and yeah. it did not feel like those fullbacks were... As getting like aggressively forward as we've seen them do in the past, yeah, yeah. certainly as as much 
much uh-huh. as they did in the second half. And maybe we'll talk about why later. That's fine. But I would say, though, that like it's interesting to me that like one of the few times we did see Kieran Trippier like, clearly thinking, okay, it's on, I'm going to go forward. Yeah, yeah. It's then not on, and also that's where the penalty kind of comes from. Not it necessarily does. blaming Kieran Trippier, but just it, it does think like maybe, it does make me think that maybe there's just that momentary shutdown of like, oh, we're going to go forward, it's a counterattack. Oops, yeah, yeah. no, I'm out of position now. Oh, mm. okay, let's get to the penalty kick. And so, so well, should we get to the, oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. The, the uh, penalty kick being awarded. There we go. Yes, mm-hmm. so it's Sergio Mane uh, in the ball, sorry, in the box, yeah. <laughs> with the ball. Um, he kind of turns back, right? So then he's ready to cross with his right foot from the left. He's got Trippier um, sort of making sure he can't go to the end line. He's got Momo Sissoko. Musa Sissoko? Musa Sissoko. Musa Sissoko. I've done it again. Excuse me. He's he's got Sissoko. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's helping Trippier, which we've been really uh, heavy on the praise for Sissoko in the past. He's really good at knowing when to do and how to do that double team, right? He's great at it. I think it's part of the reason he was kind of assigned to cover that right side. Mm -hmm. But weirdly, the only mistake he makes is he knows the cross is coming because he's smart. He knows Mm -hmm. what's coming. And I think you saw this, right? That's why his arm's in the air. It's because he's pointing sort of to the back post, yes. almost telling uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, hey, there's a, there's a cross coming. And then that's what gets hit with the ball. Yeah, because to back up again, like after Van Dyke wins that header, there are three players who like are involved in the sequence because it's quick passing. And I think if you're Tottenham, you're sort of kind of backpedaling, trying to get a position. And I think Sissoko is trying to say like, hey, cross is coming. Just yeah, make yeah. sure everybody's aware. Because mm-hmm. we went back and Keep watched a that couple times. Exactly, that's important. But also there weren't that many like deadly runners into the box from Liverpool. It wasn't as though he was saying like, oh, there's somebody open, make sure you get them. I think it's just sort of, hey, everybody be aware, but because that arm's up... Maybe Sissoko's not quite as aware. It goes. Mm-hmm. It does go off of his like pectoral. Then it hits the underside of his arm. Then I think the other one that really doesn't help him is it kind of rolls all the way down to hit his hand. And I yeah, think, or at least the like the wrist, yeah. that area. Yeah. And though it was certainly accidental, I think because it was like also kind of a chipped ball from mm-hmm. Sajamane. I think if you're the official, that looks like his hand is in an unnatural position. I mean, definitely, he's he not has, supposed to be up in the air. Like and that, then right? has he probably maybe has time to move it? It's not like a quick deflection that he had no chance. And I think also as the commentators. Point pointed out that's the way they tend to call handball now I think that was Stu Holden's point is like that's the way they're calling handball so it's going to be a handball it's it's like the it definitely is a handball definitely Mm -hmm. is a penalty kick and yet it still feels really harsh it's one of those weird things where it's technically accurate but you just feel for Sissoko you do and I think that's the other part of it is that knowing that then he has an okay game he does yeah it's a pretty good game he has his type of game there's the moment when he bodies Andy Robertson off the ball for like 25 yards to shepherd it out for like a goal kick and and I remember that moment as thinking like maybe he turns this around maybe he he gets the goal and then it's a completely different narrative so when Sissoko subs out in the second half I found myself thinking oh this poor man who's like <laughs> been this really important player for Spurs in a way that I don't think they thought he would be at the beginning of the season yeah, yeah. and yet it ends with him uh, kind of conceding the handball oh, penalty okay then the penalty Mohamed mm-hmm. Salah steps up takes it hits it it looks definitive in the end yeah. right but when you rewatch it it's kind of like Center right, medium yeah. height. It's a very savable penalty, I think. Mm-hmm. And we didn't we slow it down and we saw maybe did Loris dive and Salah knew that he was going to Loris's left, so therefore I can hit it down the middle. And that's not the case. Not is really. It? No, I, I think this is probably what you want in a Champions League final in a big game like this. You want your your penalty taker to just pick a spot and then it's head down, hit that ball as hard as you can, and that's what he does. Yeah. Once you get sucked into mind games, we've seen it plenty of times. If you're trying to read the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper doesn't go, that can be problematic. If you sort of change your mind mid-run-up, that yeah. can be problematic. So I think just picking a spot and hitting it is what he did. Maybe banking on the idea that Yoris would 
like dive to one side or yeah, the other. Yeah, so you think maybe he's going just bang down the middle and he's thinking Lloris dives to one side or the other and yeah. just Salah's like slightly off target, maybe. which is why it's center right as opposed to dead center. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. But I, I would be interested to see where, like if you could like uh, have that graphic of where his penalties have gone in the past because mm-hmm. it did feel like Lloris made an effort to not leave prematurely. And we've seen, we've heard from goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches in the past that like there will be that research into if you stand your ground and don't move, they always go to your like bottom left. And I maybe see, see. it was one of those sequences, yeah, yeah. but Salah just changes it up at the last second. Either way, I think it's kind of, even though it's not like the best positioned, perfectly placed penalty, it's still the type of penalty that I would want. Uh, my, if I were a Liverpool fan, I would have wanted Mohamed Salah to take it that way. Of course. Of course, because he scores as well. 1 0 mm-hmm. inside the first two minutes. Yeah. And then the game kind of settles down. I think this is when we can mm-hmm. get into the tactics of the game, maybe. And people have complained that this wasn't an entertaining game. I've seen a, a, mm-hmm. a lot of um, Ajax Barcelona would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I think it's a lot about how Liverpool set up to stop Spurs. Uh, playing from the back. I would agree. Is that fair? Yeah, because we, again, we went back and watched like uh, certain chunks at halftime and then yeah. certain chunks uh, for the rewatch. And it is worth noting that like until about the 15th minute, the commentary team, the BT Sport commentary team, we should add. Do you uh, think it was accidentally broadcast on Turner? I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, but like... For the first half? They... <laughs> maybe we'll talk about this later. Yes. <laughs> but they were talking just about how, uh, like how, how Liverpool had maybe backed off a little bit, how Spurs had started to take control. Spurs looked the better side. They looked more live. Yeah. And then that very much switches. And it is maybe the kind of 10 minutes after the goal where I think Liverpool are in a position they never thought they would be in. Yeah. And strangely, I know this sounds kind of counterintuitive because Liverpool have the lead. You would expect them to be kind of up for it and going for it. But if you're all about high press and high intensity and win the ball back and try to create a goal, and you've kind of done that inside the first two minutes, <laughs> I think there can probably be a little bit of like, okay, we're going to back off now and be a little bit more conservative. Right. And I think they did that, and that's when you started to see Tottenham find their footing a little bit. Yeah. As soon as Liverpool went back to the full-on Gagan press and putting Tottenham under pressure immediately, yeah. that's where it switched again to me. Okay, so there's the number one thing, is any time Liverpool had possession mm-hmm. and lost possession in Tottenham's half, like you said, Gagan press, which essentially means counter-press, yeah. right? It means when we lose the ball, we try as hard as possible to win it back early on. Um, that's what Liverpool did really successfully more times than I can count. I'm sure yes. there's a statistician has counted it, mm-hmm. but it's every clip we rewatch of Liverpool uh, losing possession in the final third, they had a, they either won it back or made it really hard for Tottenham to do anything, right? So that's, that's, that's number one. If you don't mind me jumping in there, and that's the other key thing that you added at the end there, is like it's not just, yes, they win the ball back a lot, and that is obviously very useful for reestablishing possession mm-hmm. in an advantageous position, but it's also the case that even when they didn't win the ball, it routinely ended up being a Tottenham player, like almost like desperation toe poking a ball out wide yeah. just to get rid, or a Tottenham player or just kicking it long, k- kicking it long in the theoretical direction of Harry Kane, yeah. and that is very clearly not what they wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because even if you do kind of back Harry Kane in some fifty-fifty challenges, you back him when he's positioned in the right way to then be able to challenge for that. Yeah. If he's scrambling to get over for like a just a cleared ball. That always favors your defenders a bit more, I think, because yeah, yeah. there's two of them there. So I think that extra level of pressure really prevented Tottenham from kind of slowing it down, getting the possession they needed. And when Tottenham actually had time to build, like say mm-hmm. they had a goal kick and like uh, Lloris can play it short to Vertonghen and Alderweireld, and they can start to build. This is where I think Liverpool, a Klopp's game plan yeah. and setup was really on point and was absolutely set up to deal with what Tottenham were doing. So if you don't mind, I'd like to walk through yeah, the please. various sort of. Uh, 
essentially marking options that Liverpool were exercising. Sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's coming at the back. Spurs have a back four. They're fullbacks wide, right? Trippier wide right, Rose wide left. They have Harry Winks, who is starting and really is one of those very clever pivot type player, I think is fair to call mm-hmm. him, right? You want the ball to go through him so he can uh, start some sort of attack with some clever passing. Um, I can't say that he like stood out to me in terms of being exceptionally good at this, but I will say that I, he I remember... He has well, but there's a reason he didn't in this game. Well, no, but even what I was going to say is like I remember him coughing it up the least, and oh, I, I more so remember him... Like I asked you at one point, was he in the England squad? Because he so capably played out of pressure the one or two times he did get the ball in that holding midfield role. So I thought he... That made sense to me, and I thought he did about as well as he could have. Yeah, and the reason it was hard for Harry Winks mm-hmm. is Liverpool obviously know yep. that that's going to be the guy they go through. If you watch Roberto Firmino, you think he wasn't effective, mm-hmm. and he kind of wasn't attacking much, right, in that he didn't do a lot. He was constantly blocking the pass into Harry Winks, not man-marking him, mm-hmm. but essentially, what's the word, like fronting him? So if, if say, Alvaro Vertonghen has the ball, there's no pressure on those two centre-backs, so there's no press on them at all. But Firmino's marking or blocking the pass from them to Harry Winks. So yes. that is abs- that option is completely and absolutely cut out. Yes, with like maybe a one percent chance of it. And this this is where like I, I I only make a difference here because I think it was the thing that you pointed out when we watched it is like not this analogy that I'm going to use, but like you know the old cartoon way of like catching the animal that's loose. It's like you've got the cardboard box with a stick and there's like the the food underneath it and yeah, when yeah. the animal goes in you pull that. It felt like Liverpool had those set up around the field and like Firmino was looking to be like, okay, is Sissoko or Winks, are they underneath the box? Okay, fine. Are you sure you don't want to pass to him? Like they kind of just left the door a, a little teeny yeah. tiny bit open. So you for can like, make a bad pass. You, you could try that yeah. pass, and then I'll win it. Or you could try that chip ball over the top, and then our defenders will step and they'll win it. Because I think that's the other element of what Firmino was doing was blocking off the balls to the middle. So Tottenham maybe were baited into okay, we'll try to chip it down the line for one of our fullbacks to run onto. Speaking of the fullbacks, mm-hmm. they're also kind of half marked in the way that Firmino is blocking yeah. the pass to Winks. Um, Salah is blocking the pass to Rose because Salah's on the right Rose is the left back and on the other side Sergio Mane Mm -hmm. is blocking the pass to Trippier right but again not by man marking them but by just standing like almost if you imagine the line of the pass as it would go from say Vertonghen's foot to Rose's foot Salah would be always positioned halfway between that uh, Vertonghen mm-hmm. and Rose so that pass could never be played along the floor fizzed out wide to the fullback like yeah, that and, and I think like we're not breaking any new, any ground by saying this is what Liverpool were doing like they do this routinely I mean no one I on think, TV said it but I think the other thing true I think the other thing that is like worth noting though is just that it's really difficult to do what these players were doing because if I'm trying to prevent Daryl from passing to a player, I have to be aware of where Daryl is but also the player behind me Mm -hmm. because if I take a step in the wrong direction, now that pass is open, but that means Daryl has also bypassed that entire like kind of front line. Yeah, yeah. So to be able to kind of do it's like, both, it's like a piece of the uh, wall has fallen down in your castle. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and 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 then, it, but if you don't let that happen, if you don't let that wall fall down, then not only is that player marked off, but Daryl, who still has the ball and is Tottenham center back, I guess in this situation, sort of now feels that a little bit of like, okay, the walls are now closing in on me because suddenly I can't pass that ball, mm-hmm. and those players are stepping closer and closer and closer. I guess I got to do something, and there's no options to the middle, so ine- inevitably they end up having to go long. Yeah, and when you go long. Mm-hmm. You're looking for Harry Kane, who's normally a very reliable long ball target. But in this case, he is marked by either Virgil van Dijk Mm -hmm. or Joel Matip. And he tried to make it Joel Matip more than Virgil van Dijk, but didn't. 
uh, succeed too often. And I also, I deliberately included Matip in that because even though Van Dijk was magnificent, yeah. I would say flawless in this game. Or oh, there's that one maybe incident in the 20th minute. No, I'm all right. He's flawless. Uh, Whatever. He's mostly flawless in, in this game. I think Matip was equally good mm-hmm. and equally sort of uh, handled Harry Kane. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's Matip who draws a foul contesting a 50-50 yeah. ball because Harry Kane is maybe a little bit frustrated and trying to do whatever he can to even challenge for the ball. Actually, can we, can we talk about that for a second? Mm-hmm. Normally, Harry Kane is absolutely brilliant yeah. at winning those fouls. Mm-hmm. Like, either by... I don't know, kind of tricking the referee or just being very good at making it look like he's the one being fouled even though he's initiated contact. Again, go back to the World Cup and those penalties he won against those poor Colombians well, who didn't know what yeah. was coming for well, a big, and a big, Panamanians even worse. A big difference in there in this one, I think, is that but in those situations, it's also him in the box doing a lot well, of that yeah. and it's him having gotten position. And if you think about it, like that foul on Matip is because Harry Kane is on Matip's back. It yeah. is very often the other way around. But yeah, I think yeah. it's those Liverpool, again, because Tottenham are forced into sort of direct balls that they don't necessarily want to be hitting, there's a big difference there. If they're aiming for Harry Kane, it means that he has gotten himself into a position to challenge and win that 50-50. Yeah. If they're just kind of like lifting it long, it allows those Liverpool center backs to step in. And now Harry Kane, maybe has to, who's like five yards away, now has to try to close that space. And because of that, he ends up fouling. And I think that's a huge difference. Well, maybe one thing worth noting is the one time it kind of did work for Spurs mm-hmm. is when they deliberately played it into Harry Kane. Yep. Do you remember when he drops all the way deep and mm-hmm. Van Dijk comes with him and he receives the ball? I think he lays it off. Yeah, um, to Ericsson, yeah. To, and it's an Ericsson wonderful through ball to Son. And Son's in a bunch of space because mm-hmm. Van Dijk's been pulled all the way out by Harry Kane. And Liverpool are only saved by some very steady defending by Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yep. Does he just like stand up Son and eventually just poke it away from he him? He does. Mm-hmm. But that was a real opportunity for Spurs because they'd used Kane correctly mm-hmm. and he'd beaten Van Dijk. That was the only reason that I said I was reticent in the end to say that he was flawless because he did get kind of beat on that. But see, I see, I, I have a hard <laughs> Too time. Harsh. See, yeah, because I have a hard time saying he was beaten. Like I think he was doing what he was asked to do, which is track true. Harry Kane, and he tracked him thirty yards yeah. like, back into the field. I guess basically. in my head, I'm comparing it to the thing in the first minute yeah. where he just like rolls Kane and yeah. wins the header. But I guess uh-huh. you can't always do that. No, right? but I mean, it's also that like Harry Kane wins that because he again sprints twenty yards backwards. Like yeah. he's going back towards that ball. So like Virgil Van Dijk, I think. If anything, he probably is only ever going to be able to foul Harry Kane uh-huh. there. So, yeah, I have a hard time saying that that necessarily that's fair, negatively that's impacts his overall grade. All right. Um, okay, so we've talked one goal mm-hmm. and probably at least half the tactics <laughs> we need to <laughs> yeah. talk about, which means it's half time. All right. Um, so, half time, you have some ads, right? Yeah. So, today's show is sponsored by. Talisman caps. We're only going to do one Talisman caps read. We're not going to show you the same product over and over and over again because for some reason only four companies can advertise in the Champions League. <laughs> Talisman mm-hmm. caps is sponsoring today's show. That's right. It's an independent um, millinery. Is that what you call the <laughs> what mil- milliners? I'm what not, are they called? I, are you talking about James Milner? No, hat makers. They don't make James Milner. Isn't a hat maker called a milliner? That, sure. Why yeah. not? I have no idea. Who, why are you asking me this? As I, though know. I would know this. I was do you of, think that's common knowledge? I was kind of hoping you might know. <laughs> Sorry, no. my friend. <laughs> All Sorry. Right. They make hats. But sure, why not? Yes. They're, Mil- <laughs> they're James Milner's. They're yes. based mm-hmm. in uh, Minnesota. They I are. believe they're based in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Lots of Minnesota United gear, lots yep. of Minnesota themed gear. But that's not all they do, right? Ew. They have hats that you would wear if you were a fan of the 2019 Champions League champions. This is true. They've got uh, plenty of different Liverpool hats. They've yeah. just got like like the like LFC hat, yeah. so you could just show it's your really love like, for the club. Because that's, but- that's a phrase that people use a lot for Liverpool mm-hmm. is LFC, right? Yep. I assume it's not copyrighted, so you can kind of just use LFC yeah. wherever you want. You're good. But people uh, know what it means. And then the, I think they've got the, at least the Mohamed Salah uh, hats. Yes. They've got the individual players ha- player hats. If you want to show your support for Tottenham, if you're a Spurs fan, they've got the... Like, they need the, it right now. The cockerel hat, yep. I think, like just 
by itself. Uh, and then they've got a few others for uh, like Tottenham as well. So if you want to support either one, if you want to show your support for Tottenham, if you want to be a bandwagon fan and suddenly you've loved Liverpool for the past, past five years, but you need a way to physically show it. <laughs> or the past you, week. Yeah, or that. <laughs> or the past two hours. Hat making is mm. millinery. There we go. There we go. I was right. We're not, afra- we're not afraid to uh, break new ground on the yeah. Total Soccer Show. Probably should prep the ad better, though, by, know- <laughs> by knowing it ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of other hats available. But then you wouldn't be Daryl Grove. That's true, right? It's kind of it's kind of fun to take a gamble sometimes, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so me playing it long to Harry Kane with mm-hmm. Van Dyke's on him. Exactly. Uh, you can also get the They total- make hats that even fit Harry Kane's head, by the way, and that <laughs> is no small achievement. That is no small achievement. <laughs> talismancaps.com mm-hmm. is the URL if you want to get a 20% discount use the code TOTALSOCCER20 that's the words TOTALSOCCER the numbers two zero. you'll get 20% off any order of $35 or more and luckily all the hats cost $35 that is very so lucky so basically any hat unless it's already on sale in which case buy two by two, or just put in the notes. Hey, we heard about you on the Total Soccer Show, and that, that should so, do it. There yeah, we go. Just so they know where you came from. Make sure you mention that that you heard on the Total Soccer Show that they're James Milners, yeah. and that should do it. <laughs> uh, so thank you to Talisman Caps for sponsoring yep. today's episode. Top Milliners, top Milliners indeed. <laughs> I refuse to go Milliner. I'm keeping it James Milner every time. <laughs> Speaking of mm-hmm. James Milliner, yeah. Um, I want to talk about substitutions, sure. Because I think one of the things Klopp got really right in this yep. game was the timing mm-hmm. of his substitutions and one tactical change he makes later in the game. Yes. Agree? Yes, because it's worth noting here, we kept trying to figure out, like, okay, what does this adjustment mean? Why does he do this? Why does this happen? And I think we were looking for a lot of nuance where I'm not sure there was a lot of nuance yeah. because I think their system was working. And so I think the substitutions that were made at the time, I thought, like, wow, he just burned two subs in pretty quick succession. Yeah, yeah. In, like, in the 60-second minute, he'd already used two. And I thought, like, ooh, maybe something's wrong. He might regret that if, if Spurs are able to pull one back. And now going back and looking at it, it's basically... I think he recognized, okay, Firmino is pretty gassed, looks yeah. pretty tired. And has come back from injury and has been mm-hmm. doing that like Winks blocking yeah. job. And yeah. then, yeah, so that substitution makes sense. On Holding Diva. Tottenham's eye wide open, uh, <laughs> clockwork orange style, blocking <laughs> exactly. the wings. Exactly. Uh, and then, so on comes Divac Origi to, I guess, torture them, is what we're saying. <laughs> That's good. Um, and then, yeah, Hamas Milner for uh, Gigi Wijnaldum, because, yes. not sure we've gotten to this one yet, but Gigi Wijnaldum has what I wanted to talk an about. incredibly important role to play in all he of this. He does. Okay, so, as we, we talked about with all the, the blocking and the marking mm-hmm. earlier, the front three doing their job, um, the key, um, the one guy that's spare in terms of uh, Spurs formation there mm-hmm is Sissoko, who's the co-defensive midfielder with Harry Winks. They had a weird setup, right, where Winks was kind of central and Sissoko was centre-right. They're really unbalanced formation, imbalanced formation. Um, Sissoko is theoretically then available, right, when everybody else is marked off. But Giorgio Wijnaldum, despite being one of the three centre-mids, is tasked with then sort of stepping out mm-hmm. and man-marking Sissoko. So essentially he's having to do a lot of running from central midfield up to the final third to block off Sissoko. So that in of itself is a lot of running, as you said, because he's setting up defensively, then kind of going out to make sure Sissoko doesn't have time on the ball. But then, especially in the second half, once Spurs start to use their fullbacks a little bit more often... They almost go for the trap, right? Yes. They see the open box, and they're like, well, we're 1-0 down, we might as well go look in the box. Yeah, but I think also, (laughs) at that point, they are able to find a little bit of space and a little bit of time, and then that's where Wijnaldum has to slide over, and in this case, like step to Trippier, for example. Right. Then if Trippier's now blocked off, he goes back to Sissoko... Now when Aldem has to go back to Sissoko. So I think that's where you start to see him looking a little bit more fatigued. And if I had to guess, like I have no insight if this is true or not, but my guess would be Klopp told him, like, run as hard as you can for 15 minutes or so. 
then we'll get you out of there and get fresh legs in. Yeah, yeah. Because no, no one looked too mad to be being substituted yeah, out. Yeah, he didn't look thrilled. No. But he also didn't look mad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then again, he may have just been tired. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, it's over. I can rest now. Cool. And Milner did well, right? Mm-hmm. When Milner came on, I don't remember any Milner mistakes. I remember him taking the corner kick for the for the second goal. Do you so. remember any Milner mistakes, like, ever? In his life? Yeah. No. He seems pretty reliable, <laughs> yeah. that James Milner. Yeah. Uh-huh. He sure is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, so good stuff from Klopp yep. to essentially just keep the 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 high energy that it takes to mm-hmm. defend to refresh the legs and, and keep it going right yeah because yeah. because even when Spurs start to make their own changes and they do mm-hmm. uh, Eric Dyer comes on for Sissoko that's pretty like for like in my mind yeah that was an injury right and that's yeah. the last one they do I think it's because of the injury yes but you've got um, Mora coming on for Winks as an example you already yes. said it was kind of an unbalanced formation Christian Eriksen dropping in to where Winks was yeah. somewhat makes it even stranger now you've got a lot of attacking options mm-hmm. which can leave you vulnerable but can also I mean that you've got a bunch of people who can shoot the ball yeah. and so I think even with that in mind that Liverpool really make it difficult for Spurs to get chances they still get shots don't get me wrong but it's it, you never really have those breakaway moments Son has one more that Virgil van Dijk does a really good job to poke away it's an incredible like mm-hmm. essentially an incredible job just staying with him and then stepping across and poking it away without any chance of a free kick or a foul yeah, yeah. but it's, it's even well, more it's yeah. even more impressive watching it again because yeah exactly but if you watch it you'll know that like Virgil van Dijk like, always has it covered. Like It looks like he doesn't for a moment because Son is able to turn and I think get away from Matip a little bit. But Virgil van Dijk, the initial run he's making is almost a like, okay, I know I'm going to get to you in a second, but first I'm going to make sure I've got my positioning right. Now I can step across mm-hmm. and win it. And he never... It looked a little last-ditch to me when we, first, when we watched it real-time, going back and watching... He pretty much had it tracked the whole way. I said this to you off air. That man literally deserves a medal. Yes. And now he has one. And now he He's has a Champions one. League yes. winner's medal. He looked thrilled about it as well. Like he was, mm-hmm. I think, tears of joy as yeah. well. I saw um, at the end of the game. I would assume he, so. Here's an interesting thing. Normally, mm-hmm. throughout this Champions League campaign, and when we see Spurs play in the Premier League, Mauricio Pochettino makes some mm-hmm. brilliant tactical switch, which essentially solves the problems, right? I think he's a great problem solver mid game. Okay, I see the thing, I'm going to change it, and it works. I'm not sure he did that in this game no. the closest we got was maybe adding Fernando Llorente late on and then he has a bit more success in the air yeah. because he's Fernando Llorente but it, and that, that really changed the game against Ajax right in the second half in the semi-final second leg didn't change the game here at all and I think winning a couple headers against Matip and Van Dijk it's not the same as dominating Ajax right certainly not but I think it's also that when he came on versus Ajax it was a completely different thing than what Ajax had been dealing with yeah, yeah, yeah. because before that it had been Lucas Mora and Son yeah they're pacey, they're technical, they're very clever, but you can kind of handle that. When suddenly there's this new equation to deal with, which is Llorente, maybe you lose a little bit of focus on those darting runs. Yeah. But I bring that up just to say, but if you've been dealing with Harry Kane, basically trying to do that and failing, so now you've got, failing is harsh, but you get my yeah. point. But like now you've got Llorente kind of just doing that and Harry Kane roaming yeah. a little bit more. It's like, okay, well, we'll keep doing what we're doing. He is better at uh, like kind of going up for those 50-50s. But we can still back ourselves, so, and we've still got people around to kind of police up the area. So if you're Van Dijk and Matip, you're just like, all right, the same, but like taller, more Spanish. Exactly. Beard. Yes. Slower. More handsome. Mm-hmm. Man, all right. Lest we forget, more handsome. He's a handsome We have man, to mention right, it. Yeah. Yes, of also, course. Also, um, this isn't major, but we haven't mentioned his name yet, but Fabinho. Mm-hmm. He's also very good as almost, not a third centre-back, but just a third tall guy yeah. <laughs> who's in the central area. Mm-hmm. He won uh, a few headers and a lot of tackles. There's a lot of like uh, Fabinho breakaways happened. Yes. So a uh, really good performance from Fabinho. Certainly. And I'm glad you mentioned him because yeah. I do want to 
make a point if Spurs fans are still listening, which they may well not be I at all. We're, talk, we're talking a lot of Liverpool, aren't we? But it's well, them that won the game and kind of controlled the game. It is. Yeah. But it's also worth noting here, I've seen a few people point this out, I would agree wholeheartedly, that this is a Spurs team that didn't spend any money. And, yeah. and you can fault the ownership for that and the front office for that. You can't fault the manager of the players for that. And as you, you bring up Fabinho, I mean, Fabinho, Van Dyke, Allison, like these are huge summer acquisitions, players that they were able to spend a lot of money on, um, and not necessarily all at the same time, but you get my point, yeah. that like that really matters. And and that Tottenham were able to go this far in this competition. Oh, that, it's like, a borderline miracle. I mean, starting Sissoko, who I think at the beginning of the season, people weren't quite sure where he was going to fit. I mean, Harry Winks, again, I really enjoyed him and what he does, but like... You wouldn't have expected at the beginning of the year for like, oh yeah, Harry Winks starting for a Champions League final team. That makes total sense to me. Like, so I think Spurs did an incredible job with the resources they had. Mm-hmm. I think this is where those resources ran out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, we still have one more goal to talk Let's about. Do it. We also have one more tactical change to talk yeah. about, which I think is really important. It was actually Klopp that made the big formation shift. Mm-hmm. And what he does is at some point, what is it, like 78, 79 minutes, mm-hmm. just before the last 10 minutes? Um, Liverpool are starting to... It's getting a little loose, right? Spurs are getting a few crosses in. I think those fullbacks are getting on the ball a bit more than it, before. It comes three minutes or so after Son has just dribbled through and had Virgil van Dijk poke that ball there away. There we go. Um, you see uh, Jurgen Klopp. Mm-hmm. I think he originally talks to Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Holds up four fingers. And then the word spreads around the yeah. team. It's 4-4-2. It is. And what you see Liverpool go to is not that 4-3-3 where everybody has weird angles to cover. And it's actually hard work to do. Mm-hmm. I think this is the argument for it. It's just a basic 4-4-2 where you stay a bit compact and you all stay in your shape. And then you're a bit like synchronized swimming. You just step left and right and backwards and yeah. forwards. It's a bit more like an army marching yeah. rather than this weird like dynamic thing that was before. Theoretically, that's what yeah. it is. I will say that like I have sympathy for someone like Sergio Mane who then goes and plays left midfield. Because yeah. I feel like it would be the equivalent of you and me doing this show and then me saying to you, like, hey, I'm going to talk for a little while. When I pause for you to speak, don't speak this time. It, just let it be silent and then I'll keep talking. That like You'd be like, nah, i got to fill that space. Like, oh, yeah. That's really weird. What are we doing Can't here? do it. And I feel like Sergio Mane in this case, a weird analogy I know, but I'm good with it. Because we did keep seeing him sort of like, maybe I go now? Like, can I, can <laughs> yeah. I go forward, please? Okay, fine, I'll go back and play defense. Uh, and at the one point, you can hear Klopp screaming, Sadio, Sadio, yeah, go yeah, back, yeah. go back. There's even one moment where he completely mm-hmm. forgets. Origi goes and fills in, but too late. Yeah. And I think Spurs get kind of a chance from it. It ends up with a cross, a not great Alexander Arnold clearance, and then you have Son get tackled by Milner yep. just outside mm-hmm. the box. That could have been that could have been a penalty kick Absolutely. or could have been uh, a goal if Ericsson's free kick hadn't been saved by Allison. Yep. who, I don't want to go deep into it, but worth mentioning, Allison was flawless. He was. He was absolutely superb. Mm-hmm. And, and and I would say like he had, like that's a great save. He gets good, like, and it's a great save because he has perfect positioning, so it doesn't need to be this like last ditch, barely getting to it sort of save. But you can be flawless and not be necessarily remarkable. As mm-hmm. in, he just, he never made a mistake. He didn't spill yeah. the ball. Like, I think he, one time he kind of punched it loose and Tottenham were able to get another chance, but that was after he made a kind of getting down low and getting it out with a hand. That's really hard to do. So, yeah. like, I, I wouldn't say that he has, like, a highlight reel of amazing saves. There's no one-on-ones because but you, of Liverpool's yeah. great defensive system. Mm-hmm. There is no Spurs one-on-one with Allison. And so he the does, closest was Van Dijk intervened and it exactly. didn't happen. Yeah. So then he does exactly what he needs to do to make sure that Tottenham don't get a goal. And instead, as you've already said, Liverpool go ahead and get one more goal. They do. And, worth noting, the second goal... Starts with Allison. It does. It is a wonderful, big, Tim Howard versus Algeria style throw out to the left wing. Mm-hmm. 
for Andy Robertson. Yep. And it even like goes beyond Robertson and Robertson has to chase it down, but mm-hmm. it still plays it's almost like a leading pass. It plays him into space. I think I think it's so well thrown that Robertson actually lets it go in front of him. Like he he knows, kinda, I think okay. he lets it roll I think he recognizes I have space and time. Yeah. But then I think doesn't quite recognize the force of the ball because I think uh-huh. he just barely keeps it in bounds. <laughs> but keeps it in bounds and then he plays in is this the one where it's the long ball in that yeah, maybe Danny like, Rose didn't need to put out? Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. a whipped but long cross to the far post for Mohamed Salah is what he's aiming for. But Danny Rose does like a and it's over here to look. Bit, right, Danny Rose is like a diving shoulder nudge it behind for a corner kick and then apologizes which is how we know that maybe he knows it didn't need to happen yeah but the other thing the other reason why that stood out to us is because we couldn't remember the game exactly I think it was the Ajax game uh, the second leg when Spurs eventually come back but Danny Rose does that again he puts yeah. it out of bounds when he doesn't need to when there's not much pressure and I believe I'm correct in saying that it leads to an Ajax goal yeah. certainly leads to a goal it's, if not against Ajax it's a bit rough though it's like the Sissoko thing where mm-hmm. I think Rose is actually a really good defender when balls yep. are whipped to the back post there's lots of instances in this game yep. where he beats Salah to a Robertson cross because mm-hmm. Robertson whipped in some really nice crosses so it's almost like he's doing the thing he was doing really well but maybe this time he didn't need to do it yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah uh, but I am happy because it further cements your argument that Jurgen Klopp uh, made some smart substitutions because Hamas yeah. Milner goes over and takes this corner. That's a substitution. Divac Origi, a substitute, scores the goal. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, but and as is, I think like tradition with Liverpool. Don't worry because Matip and Van, uh, Virgil Van Dijk are involved. They are okay. I want to talk about this sure. because I'm sure people have heard me say this on the show before. I know mm-hmm. Greyhead Gaming has yep. because you mentioned this on Twitter. Um, I'm not a big fan of sending both centre backs forward for corner kicks because I think it leaves you exposed and. Theoretically, in this case, what? It's the 87th minute. You're 1-0 up against Tottenham in the Champions League final. If I was the coach, I'd be saying maybe, all right, let's keep one of our centre-backs back. We don't mm-hmm. need to send them both forward. I actually think, even though I'm st- I still believe, that's still something I believe, I think it's okay for Liverpool to do it because Van Dijk and Matip are so good in the air. Mm-hmm. And actually, they're... I don't know what the percentage is, but their success rate in terms of scoring from corners or at least winning headers mm-hmm. is higher than for most centre-backs. Yeah. So maybe it's okay. And I think you can see that on this goal mm-hmm. where what Van Dijk actually whiffs at the cross yep. when it comes to him. He whiffs, but then he challenges and challenges again with a header uh, for the second ball. Yep. Matip gets to the loose ball, and I think not with his head, but just a simple, actually very smart, simple, calm, yep. square pass to Divock Origi. Mm-hmm. To set him up ready to shoot. Buries it. Uh, back corner with sure his left does, foot. Right? It's a great goal. Just, yeah. Isn't it just inside the far post? Yes. Oh, yeah. And and then, as other people have pointed out as well, especially on Twitter, uh, that's a player that they signed for, I think, 10 million pounds? Mm. Maybe 10 million euros in, like, 2014? So... While Jurgen Klopp utilized like his very expensive shiny players <laughs> uh, to great effect, he also utilized the players that were less expensive. <laughs> there we um, go. And I would say that you're right, that it is dangerous to put those center backs in that type of position. I think number one is you kind of back Virgil van Dijk to be Virgil van Dijk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number two, uh, it's worth noting that like this is the exact same like side of the field, the exact same spot where the corner was taken, that Trent Alexander-Arnold was taking these corners uh, in the game against Ajax. Mm. He's not taking this one. It's Thomas Milner. And I think that is an adjustment that you have Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson all the way back so if there is a counter you've got oh those guys are quick you've they're got both quick exactly yeah. the guy the guy who has already proven that he can get across and like cut out a uh, counter attack before it even really happens yeah. because that's who's going to be breaking you don't need Virgil van Dijk to body Harry Kane off the ball you need your pacey defenders to make sure that the kind of pacey attack is nullified that, okay that makes sense that makes sense so 2-0 mm-hmm. Liverpool um, I don't have anything else to say about this game so maybe just to close I, 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 I just want to say this Liverpool team, the season they had, mm-hmm. I think I'm really happy that it ends with a trophy. Yeah. Because 
You, maybe, said, you said that before the game started. Yeah, because maybe they're mm-hmm. not able to have a 97-point Premier League season yep. again, and maybe they don't win the Premier League, and maybe they sort of weirdly... I wouldn't say they deserve to win the Premier League because Man City were eventually the better team mm-hmm. this past season, but it was such a great performance of a season that it deserves some recognition in the history books, and the Champions League is not some bad recognition. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it, it was a deserved win for Liverpool. I'm happy for Liverpool. Yeah. I'm also happy that we get rid of some of the narrative. Like Jordan Henderson, I think, has had a lot of criticism in the past that he captained this team and wins the Champions League. That makes me happy that yeah. Jurgen Klopp finally wins a, oh, like, yeah, like some major thing. silverware. We can kind of get away from some. Because even, even I, like when we went like midway through, I think you weren't on that show, but I was talking about how like I had some concerns for Liverpool in their very first knockout round like fixtures. And I, and I made the point that like, if things don't go well and they get knocked out there, there is some question of like, what's going on with Jurgen Klopp? Like, they maybe aren't going to win. I think at that point they were like, maybe not going to win the league. And it was sort of like, if they don't win the league, if they're knocked out of the Champions League, like, do they start to wonder? They're definitely not going to wonder now because yeah. they have won the Champions League. And isn't there always that? I mean, I deliberately don't get involved. Mm-hmm. I think we don't discuss it on the show. Those those arguments of like, oh, Klopp always bottles it in the finals. Yeah. So didn't yeah. he lose a Champions League final with mm-hmm. Dortmund? And he lost Champions League final with Liverpool. Lost yes. the Europa League final with Liverpool. So. But there's, there's no there's no such thing really as a high end manager being no. like a, a final butler. It's such a silly thing. To steal a phrase from uh, the Guardian Football Weekly, there's no such thing as a witch's curse. <laughs> <laughs> so to have like yeah. Jurgen Klopp has now won the Champions League final. Yeah. Now you can't have that silly argument. Not mm-hmm. that we ever did, but I don't, I don't even have to see it on Twitter. No, I'm mostly I'm just relieved that uh, when we came out of the ad break for this show that we were still here and not uh, some other commentary team. So <laughs> that's really where I'm most happy. But I'm also happy for Liverpool and Liverpool fans and our <laughs> friends. We have many friends who support Liverpool, yeah. so congratulations to them as well. We also have some Spurs supporting Except friends. Except for Trey, if he's listening. <laughs> we also have some Spurs supporting mm-hmm. friends. I think you already said it, but I want to reiterate it. Given that they made no signings and didn't really reinforce and the squad was a little thin, this is an incredible season. Absolutely. Finish top four, get to the Champions League final. It is absolutely incredible. And maybe, I would also maybe back up our complaints at the start of the season, whereas maybe if Spurs would spend and reinforce mm-hmm. and, you know, Van Dyke Ellison type yeah. reinforcements, that's what pushes Spurs to next level, genuine Premier League challenges, that, that kind of thing. I, but so I really think this is the best that's going to happen mm-hmm. with the investment that was made in the playing staff this year. Yes. I also think it's not a coincidence that this was the year that the stadium was opened. Also that. Right? Yeah. I know it's like, doesn't Pacino always say, um, oh, I just don't think we need reinforcements? Mm-hmm. But I think that's what Wenger said around the time that Arsenal opened their big new stadium yeah. and didn't spend much money on transfers mm-hmm. at around the same time. Yes. Just saying there's a, there's a coincidence there. Yes. I do think Mauricio Pochettino has all the leverage in the world now because like, not necessarily this would have happened, but it is the case that if they won the Champions League, then maybe Daniel Levy's like, yeah, but you already won the Champions yeah. League. You, you maybe, don't need money. You're maybe, fine. Maybe sell some players. Yeah, in fact, we're, we're taking away <laughs> two of your players and we're going to keep that money for another stadium in the future. Uh, so yes, I do think Pochettino now can maybe take that as like, look, if you want us to get better and if you want me to definitely stay here long term you yeah. gotta spend some money stadium's built and spend some cash and to that end I think we'll know fairly quickly like if Tottenham go out like on if July 1st they're signing somebody mm-hmm. I feel like that is a very much statement of intent yeah um, okay we should definitely wrap up because mm-hmm. we've got Richmond Kickers versus North Texas SC game to get to and it kicks off in 25 minutes it does so I will say Taylor Rockwell thank you for taking the time to watch the game and talk with me today right back at you buddy congratulations to Liverpool fans yeah listeners thank you for listening we'll be back on Monday with maybe Gold Cup roster stuff if the US announces it but definitely Women's World Cup previews we will continue with Group D.